Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. On this Thursday afternoon, I'm Clarissa Montero together with our finance presenter, JP Ong. Today, the markets don't look so pained. Yeah, but they also don't look that active either, Clarissa. When you look at how much value turnover there is at the moment, there's less than 400 million Singapore dollars mm-hmm. in trading so far in the morning. It seems that people are just shying away. There's a bit of a sense that maybe traders are on a diet and they're mm-hmm. not really, the appetites aren't really that strong. And you can't really blame them because they're. Well, we are coming up on a long weekend too. We are. Well, that, that is actually a very fair point. We are coming up a long weekend and generally we tend to see people t- take their foot off the gas whenever mm-hmm. we come to those. Uh, to, to, uh, to a three-day holiday uh, period, for instance. And that could be the case here. It could also be the fact that the, maybe you know, Singaporean investors don't seem to be that easily impressed when you look at uh, all this relief rally that uh, pushed Asian stocks up on Wednesday on the back of hopes that maybe you could see, uh, you could see more stimulus from the Chi- Chinese, uh, for the Chinese economy that could boost uh, the prospects of uh, growth in the Middle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. There, there are many investors, at least in Asia at least, were choosing to be stay optimistic over the hope that maybe the U.S. and China can come to a trade deal uh, in the fu- in the future, despite all of this rising rhetoric. But again, Singapore, not exactly impressed. They seem a little bit more skeptical, judging by the fact that we also closed out Wednesday three uh, down for the third straight day. And today, so you were wrong yesterday. I was wrong yesterday, and okay. this is why I don't I don't do a lot of prognoses. Well, but... no, 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 no. We're still going to make you look into that crystal ball. This is I, I am, and I am an obedient uh, markets reporter. So whenever you ask me to do something, we I. I Whenever you say jump, I say how high as long as it's not past the second floor. Um, 3,216, keep this in mind. And uh, 3,212 is the level we want to keep watching out for because if it does fall below that, mm-hmm. that, makes, that means that the Straits Times Index will have wiped out all of the gains they've made in the second quarter. Keep in mind that the yeah. April was rather excellent. We saw it actually it jump up by about excellent. 6%. And what a difference 10 trading days actually makes. We could see that wiped out. But... We've seen it also uh, fall below that briefly over the last couple of days and then suddenly bounce back, especially at the last minute. So mm-hmm. don't count out some of the bargain hunters that come in in the last 30 minutes of trades. Sure. And we also tend to see uh, trading activity and volume actually pick up. When you look at who's really jumping on the SGX today, Yang Zichang Shipbuilding, the most heavily traded stock today, up by about 2.7%. And it didn't talk about uh, people having enough of this uh, pullback that's being uh, driven by trade war tensions. Yang Zichang Shipbuilding is up. No real news as to why they're not just one of the best performers on the Straits Times Index, where they're also the most heavily traded stock on the SGX today, about 37 million Singapore dollars in total turnover supporting this rise. But we did uh, talk about this one article that, that highlighted um, if the yuan or the renminbi continues to weaken, this could actually mean that Yang Zichang Shipbuilding, which recognizes all of its costs mm-hmm. in the Chinese local currency, could see some... Uh, some upside. It could actually help them widen their margins because of lower expenses sure. that are denominated here. And maybe that is what's driving some of the uh, appeal for Yang Zichang. The banks today look relatively split. You've got DBS, again, the only one of the big three that's uh, in the green today. They're up by about 0.3%. UOB and OCBC all in the decline. ST Engineering up by about 1%. But you're also seeing some declines from the likes of Thai Beverage and Comfort Delgro, both down by more than a percent so far today. It's looking relatively flat. And you're just seeing the Straits Times Index swing between gains and losses for the most part. But it's still uh, it's still about two and a half points down today. A look at major 
future markets also shows that, uh, you know, you have um, most uh, markets uh, generally still in the green, except for the Nikkei 225. Mm-hmm. Japan, again, feeling the weight of a strengthening Japanese yen, and yep. which has been, uh, is, uh, is negatively correlated to the movements of the Tokyo benchmark. But you look at the ASX 200 in Australia, for, for instance, they're up by about half a percent. Shanghai and Shenzhen also trading higher, a little bit muted, but they're both up by about 0.3 and 0.2 percent, mm-hmm. respectively. Mm-hmm. The Hang Seng also slightly in the green. They're up by about 23, about 24 points so far today. And just looking at other markets, for instance, the Taiwan uh, Taiex actually down by about 0.3%. A lot of semiconductor manufacturers and a lot of uh, uh, suppliers for handphones are actually listed out in Taipei as well. Right. So they're not really taking any chances either. It seems that they continue to get weighed down by some of these tensions. And it has been identified that, again, um, Uh, semiconductors, mobile handsets, they could also be impacted negatively by the China trade war and also a slowing demand that we've noticed for smartphones in the world. Okay. And of course, uh, Donald Trump ha- has threatened uh, more tariffs on Huawei, specifically sanctions on Huawei. That is, that's the other thing that's actually also uh, just raising some of these, uh, some of these uh, tensions that we're seeing right now. It seems that they are looking to sanction Huawei, and Huawei is fighting back. They're actually calling some of the new allegations unjust. And I think it's also, there's a, there's a slight uh, change in the tone from Beijing with, the, with these trade war negotiations, mm-hmm. whereas they've been rather diplomatic, firm but diplomatic uh, in, in the past. They're not ready to play nice. That's yes, there you go. It seems that they're, 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 le- they're less and less uh, keen to playing nice also. And I think this is what happens. Um, I, again, you know, uh, this could also be because uh, they, they're, they're interpreting some of these tr- tweets from Donald Trump where he's mm-hmm. been calling out the, uh, the, uh, the Chinese economy and their policymakers in public as them making them lose face. And whenever, you, whenever Chinese negotiators tend to lose face also, that does put them on the ultra offensive. And this could also be just why they are pushing back with even more gusto at the moment. But it, it changes the tone and it changes the uh, – I guess, the flow or the dynamics of the negotiation, sure. for lack of a better term. And, yep. uh, and as we know, also, the Donald's not going to back down. He has tweeted before. He, had, he tweeted the other day also that, you know, if China keeps on stimulating their economy, I'm going to get the Federal Reserve to, to do the same thing, or I'm going to urge the Federal Reserve to do that. And if they start stimulating our economy, then it's going to be game over. We win. Of course, you know, not exactly... Not that Not easy. the most diplomatic set of words to say <laughs> in the midst of a trade spat also. And this really engulfing what's going on um, across markets so far today. All right. Before we go to some of the the big news um, today, what do the banks look like? The banks, as we mentioned a while ago, DBS up by about 0.3%, UOB and OCBC down also. Uh, Again, uh, one thing that's interesting about uh, these three banks, which happen to also be Southeast Asia's three largest banks also by total assets, they also have significant exposures to to Chinese activities also. Uh, DBS, arguably the most exposed to them. Sure. And uh, we did talk about the fact that UOB and OCBC are trying to, uh, to uh, just readjust or rebalance some of, their, uh, some of their, their, some their strategy moving forward, given these U.S.-China trade talks mm-hmm. and the trade tensions. UOB say, saying the other day, you know, we're going to deepen our, uh, our presence in Southeast Asia and also focus more on these trade flows between China and Southeast Asia because if uh, the corridor starts to get tighter between China and the U.S., we could some, see some of these flows go from China towards the ASEAN market. So we want to position ourselves for there. there OCBC saying, you know, there is one big re- region that could be set for some for potentially explosive growth in China. It's the Pearl River Delta also, mm-hmm. the, the, the Bay Area that they're trying to uh, develop out there, and they want to deepen their, their position over there. So different strategies. 
strategies from the two banks. Sure. Uh, both of them, though, down today. And uh, again, it seems that uh, when it comes to the banks, everyone's choosing the safe haven, quote unquote. Uh, of DBS, I probably shouldn't call them that because we, we're, you know, it's it's. Uh, but people are flocking to the bigger of the big three. So DBS is getting just a little bit more love today, 0.4 percent up to twenty six dollars and thirty nine cents. UOB at twenty five, just above twenty five dollars, just a touch above twenty five dollars a share. And OCBC uh, just a bit submerged, just a touch submerged. They're 0.2 percent down to eleven dollars seventeen cents. Okay, you've been talking about some of the places where there could be an upside to the. U.S.-China trade row, and uh, the CEO of some some corp industries is kind of saying maybe that's them as well. It's a very interesting, and again, uh, quite confident. Uh, you know, if I saw my profits grow by 21% mm-hmm. in the first quarter against the backdrop of U.S.-China trade tensions, I would be rather confident myself also. Um, this, according to their C- group CEO, Neil McGregor, who told the Business Times that the trade row between the world's two largest economies really hasn't hit them, apparently, and it's given their water and waste management services it, um, uh, because they are focused on a lot of essential services that might be slightly unaffected by the U.S.-China trade war. For instance, wastewater and waste management services that they provide in China are essential services. Whether or not there's a trade war, you're going to need somebody to treat the water in the mainland. You're going to need someone who's going to be able to handle all of that waste that uh, that's generated throughout the daily activities. And that's those are the two things they're citing. They've also cited that uh, what's really driving their more optimistic outlook is they're seeing a lot of potential in their electricity and power sector. So we did report that the energy business actually drove a lot of the growth in this in their in their quarterly profits um, that that saw them make about 93 million Singapore dollars in the first three months of this year. And they're saying also they're seeing an uptick in activities and electricity growth in Vietnam. So Mm -hmm. other analysts have also highlighted that if the trade war intensifies, you might see a lot of these factories and a lot of these manufacturers in China start to relocate to other places. And the two countries they've identified that could be the biggest beneficiaries are Mexico because of the proximity to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and Vietnam because it It's still a low-cost manufacturing base that's also very open and very eager to attract some of these manufacturing activities in a a Chinese economy that's becoming more and more expensive wage-wise. So when you start to see more production and more industry go to Vietnam, of course, electricity growth is going to Mm -hmm, also shoot mm -hmm. up. So Semcorp industry saying, hey, you know, we have our position in Vietnam and we're actually going to – and we think that there's a a possibility we're going to see some uh, interesting benefits from this. And and it seems that they are betting on their performance in Vietnam. The Energy Marine and Urban Development Group also saw – Profits also rise by about 21%, again, because of that, uh, the higher performance from their energy business. And uh, this all offsetting the lackluster performance, perhaps the one, I guess the one subject that uh, they didn't do too well in, in the report card was the marine business. They saw lower revenues again because of fewer rigs and floaters and offshore platform projects. But that, that's more dependent on the dynamics in the oil markets also. Yeah, the supply glut at the moment, there mm-hmm. or the uh, supply glut they're trying to contain. But uh, so, so this is something that they'll have to at least hedge themselves against. But Semcorp Marine, uh, Semcorp Industries, at least, uh, you know, the, the, it seems that they are they're not flinching uh, against this against the backdrop of this. And we just want to check in on how Semcorp Industries is doing in the markets today. Um, flat, actually. The one that's really getting a benefit today is Semcorp Marine. They're up right. by about 2% so far. Semcorp Industries, though, relatively flat at $2.54, but might be for the best given a lot of the uncertainty that's happening at the moment. Flat is better than a fall. Sure. Okay. Now, 
I'm curious to see what Boeing stocks are doing. Ah, very interesting. So Boeing stocks, I, just, I do want to pull up Boeing's uh, shares because they do trade in the pre-market, in the, in the aftermarkets in the U.S. They're slightly up and they've been going and uh, they did record a meager gain in Thursday's session. But, you know, they, they, you still have a lot of questions about the 737 MAX, which, uh, which has a really just a, caused a bit of hysteria, a bit of a... A, a bit of outrage with some airlines that, that, that count the 737 MAX in their fleets. And it seems that uh, the Chinese airlines, for once, are actually considering to team up to look for compensation from Boeing because of the 737 MAXs that they've bought. You're talking of the likes of Air China, mm-hmm. China Southern Airlines, China Eastern Airlines. Mind you, they're also all um, competing because they, they have growing presences in Beijing's capital airport because of that expansion of their airport there. But it seems that they might band together to look for compensation from Boeing because of the disruption caused by the grounding of the 737 MAX. They're not the only airlines, though, that have been that have been affected by the grounding of the 737 MAX. When you look at the earnings reports and some of the uh, news about the U.S. Air, about some of the U.S. Uh, American airlines, for instance, you're looking at Southwest saying that they've grounded the Boeing 737 MAXs indefinitely. I think they just lifted it recently. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, you're seeing a lot of airlines actually calling attention to the fact that they've been affected sure. by the grounding and all the I- issues there. We have... Uh, we we have the family families uh, affected by uh, families of victims in in the mm-hmm. crashes either in uh, out in Kenya or out in in Indonesia also saying that they might be filing cases some of them already have so it's going to be a legal headache for Boeing to try and and go around this and when you have three of China's biggest airlines going after you keep in mind that they are also tightly are very closely linked and closely supported by the Chinese government. So you, have, you might have the weight, the full weighting of the Chinese government backing them if they decide to seek legal compensation. So they can, they can afford the uh, big-time uh, lawyers, is Perhaps. what you're saying. Well, that's one. And also, this could be another wrinkle in the, in the U.S.-China trade war at the moment because Boeing and airplanes are one of the biggest imports or one of the biggest sales products from the U.S. to China. To China. Whenever Xi Jinping used to go to the U.S., if you've noticed, he used to – sometimes it's more often than not, he would – before going to Washington, he would make a stopover in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And usually it's because before he gets to Washington, he wants to say, hey, guess what? I bought – X amount of planes for my airlines, blah, blah, blah. Now let's talk about trade and all these things. So so a bit of an about face because regardless of of what part or what role aerospace, the aerospace industry in the U.S. plays in these U.S.-China trade tensions – Safety is safety. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, and I mean, fair, as a passenger, and fair enough for them to call this out. You know? Yeah, as a passenger, uh, I, I can't be too safe. No. Now, can I? No. Any of us, we would want those planes to be safer but, than safe. Yes, and it, it, if the airlines don't call it out, the passengers, such as yourself, myself, will be the ones to yes, call out absolutely. that. absolutely. And you want to get ahead of this, of course, and say, hey, Boeing, what, what is your solution? And can you compensate me for the fact that I've had to cancel all these flights and cost so many headaches for passengers like Clarissa and JP? And JP. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Rest of the day, Jamie. <laughs> Let's look at the rest of the day. To, oh, geez. Jeez Louise. It can go anyway. Will you be can over just, two is what I'm wondering. I think, I think a very good chance and, uh, and it. Just goes to show that there are, there are better men than myself who have miscalled how, a, how the market closes in the day. I'm going to actually, uh, this is probably going to be a day where we see the local bourse stay slightly in the red. Uh, but not. it's not going to be a big drop-off. It's just you're going to see a, a haircut of about five to six points maybe by the close. All right. And for the rest of the day, what can we expect from you in prime time? All right. So there's two things. Um, 
I've been on a bit of a telco binge lately. You know, uh, you the really? last three days, we've been talking to the folks at Fitch. We've been talking uh, about about Singtel's a profit uh, uh, recent earnings release, and later on on primetime at four o'clock, we'll be speaking to DBS's resident telco analyst Sachin Mittal to talk about mm-hmm. those earnings and also about a number of other things that have been. That are brewing and evolving in the telco space for one, this 5G rollout. Yeah. We've talked to Fitch about it at detail, but now I want to get the equity analysts to w- chime mm-hmm. in and, and, and talk about what kind of challenges they might face to funding this. There's also a rather interesting merger of, of telco assets between Norway's Telenor and mm-hmm. Malaysia's Axiara, who used to be the majority shareholder of M1. And everyone was asking, once M1 be- was taken private, what, what is Axiara cooking up? What, what, what's next for them? Because they, now we have to know what's, what's their next plan. What's their next move? And they've got the money to do it. And now they've got the money to do it. Now they've got now they can actually push for this merger, and Mm -hmm. it does create one of the biggest telco presences in the region. And what what kind of ripples might this send to across uh, across the ASEAN, including Singapore? The second thing I want to look at later later on today is that there is one item or one product that might actually get a bit of a reprieve from all these trade tensions, and that's cars. Mm -hmm. So it's been announced today, and uh, Reuters and a bunch of other news outlets have been reporting. That uh, that uh, the U.S. Uh, the Trump administration is willing to delay the imp- imposition of auto tariffs right. for six months on Japanese and European auto tariffs and Korean auto tariffs. So we'll be looking at car stocks throughout most of the day out in Korea. We're going to take take mm-hmm. a look at how Hyundai and Kia are doing, mm-hmm. Japan as well, and definitely also we're going to be looking at how cars uh, car car stocks are doing in Europe at the moment. Uh, you're seeing most of them close Wednesday uh, in the green, and yep. they could see some sustained sustained uptick, but It's it's still a six month delay. So Mm -hmm. the fact that you just pushed it back, yeah, but then you've got six months to sell to to sell a lot of cars. And and I wonder when Trump became the the professor in charge of all (laughs) these saying, hey, you know what? I'm giving you an extension on that paper. (laughs) But 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 we're going to revisit in six months. But again, you're just kicking the can down the road. So what? It it doesn't solve a lot. It just gives them more breathing room. I think an extension of uh, under lease of life. It seems. Okay, looks like you've got some some good stuff coming for prime time for our listeners. This has been Market View with uh, J.P. Ong and myself, Clarissa Montero, on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.